0: Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We explore the stories, the culture, the history behind the wine, and we like to drink a little bit while we're doing it. I'm Gina Birch, and I'm Julie Glenn.
1: And Gina, you forgot to mention the people yeah. behind what's in that glass, and they're kind of important. Yeah, I they're would kind say kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Today we have one of those important people in studio with us, Maria Ponzi. She's in charge of the family winery Ponzi in Oregon. Her sister Luisa is the winemaker. Welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you. It's so great me. to have you mm-hmm. here. It's a pleasure. Thanks for
2: having me. You know what's me. cool
1: about it? You're kind of considered one of the pioneers in Oregon wine, and that's one of my favorite places yes. from which
2: wine comes. So It is the place to be. For it's sure. An honor yeah. to ha- what, yes. what got you up in Oregon and going into wine? Uh, I was, I was, uh, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. I was born into this thing. So mm-hmm. my uh, it was my parents, Dick and Nancy Ponzi, who had this idea, very unusual idea, back in the late 60s to find a place that they felt would be ideal for growing Pinot Noir, and uh, they had never grown anything before, had never, (laughs) barely gardened before, actually, Um, had never made wine before, but we were living in uh, Northern California, Um, I was born in Los Gatos, and um, my little sister and my uh, my older brother and I were sort of packed along in the station wagon as we headed north, and we found ourselves in the Willamette Valley in 1969 and established one of the first vineyards there.
0: Yeah, that was pretty groundbreaking. I mean, first of all, that you you, you guys left uh, California to go to Oregon, and right. then you're in the wild because back then, the Willamette was really not developed the way it is, and it's not Absolutely. even really
2: developed a lot now. There's a few, <laughs> few little, uh, great little towns and things to visit, but it's, right. you know. It's, yeah, it's still considered the hinterland for some people, but yes, we um, mm-hmm. we are there, and um, uh, yeah, we are we are considered family number three, I think, at this point in terms of those who ventured north to uh, set, set, you know, Pinot Noir up for the world. World stage. Um, so we established the vineyard in 1970, and um, we were fortunate to find a couple other uh, crazy folks along mm-hmm. the way. Uh, David Lett and uh, Dickie Rath, who were actually planting vines on the other side of the hill from us. We didn't know each other, uh, but we uh, found each other and started sharing ideas about Pinot Noir and our love for it. And um, and then the, the the reality of how do you plant it, how do you grow mm-hmm. it, and then oh, how do you make the wine? And and now what I get to do is how do you sell it and market it? So there's. (laughs) the whole gamut.
1: One of the things I always hear about whenever it comes to Oregon wines is selection of clones and Mm -hmm. how that was a process. Mm -hmm. Can Mm -hmm. you explain to me a little bit about what your family went through um, as it was learning along with these other couple of families that they were friends with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you go back to these early days of the late 60s, early 70s, the the first thing was just climate. We were just looking for where where can we find this cool, moderate climate that will uh, really enhance the flavors of Pinot Noir. So we weren't thinking about soil. We weren't thinking about, as you said about clones at all. Um, when we moved there, it was um, Pomard and Vadensville. Those were the only clones available, actually, in, in, at that time. Uh, but it wasn't until 1975 that uh, there was a clonal test site that was planted. Um, and it was it was basically um, established through the Oregon State University. Uh, and we planted about 22 different clones in a two-acre site. And that was really the beginning of let's research a little bit more, let's dig a little deeper and see if we can make even better Pinot Noir beyond, you know, what we're doing with Pomard and Vainesville. And so uh, just just fortunately, Ponzi um, took over that two-acre site, and we call it Abatina Vineyard, and we actually own it now. Um, in fact, I have some wine here Ooh. if you want to try it later, <laughs> oh, yes. of Abatina. Um, but, um, but yeah, absolutely, clonal research continues still today. And beyond just Pinot Noir, we're looking at uh, Chardonnay, uh, different clones of Chardonnay and And beyond that, yeah, that that was a challenge too. Chardonnay was a tough one. I'm glad you brought Chardonnay
0: up because in in the past, the Chardonnays from Oregon have really not very. They were uneventful, and (laughs) that again goes back to the clonal selection. Right now,
1: now you got the right ones, and Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. you get now they're
0: awesome. They're really good. I think didn't they start with
1: like
2: the Wente clone, which is kind of made for like the Livermore area, which is just burning hot, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean you kind of have to have to think back now because again, this is very early on in American wine history where we're not we're not really even um, this this country's not looking at quality wine really we're still yeah. you know give me the, a jug yeah <laughs> it, it is it's jug wine it's, it's chablis and it's hardy burgundy and um hardy and, burgundy yeah <laughs> we love hardy. the descriptor really just yeah. sells it but um but what people were really looking at quality and so this whole idea of clones you know didn't matter so um when we moved up to the willamette valley it, as you as you mentioned um we of course wanted to plant chardonnay because people actually knew this this variety you know they mm-hmm. they could say chardonnay unlike pinot noir which was uh, this very unusual work. That's exotic. Yeah, right. That was kind of crazy. But with Chardonnay, my mother, it was actually my mother who said, we, you know, Dick, we definitely need to plant Chardonnay because it's Pinot Noir. Who knows what's going to happen with that? But um, <laughs> but it was Winter and Mirasu that had, you know, the, the kind of the, the majority of, of Chardonnay planted at that time. And that's, of course, what we brought up to the north. And yeah. we had no idea that, of course, it wouldn't ripen, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very uneventful. And it was very difficult to sell, by the way. So but gosh, um, <laughs> now it's awesome. I mean, yeah. now it's incredible. It's, yeah. it's a completely different situation. And again, 20 years. Later, now in 1990, we were able to perfect the Chardonnay clone, and that's what we're we've been working with for. All I years. want to
0: ask about the Pinot Gris because mm-hmm. when I when I think of Oregon, the first thing I think of is, is uh, Pinot Noir. The second mm-hmm. thing is Pinot Gris, and yeah. your family again was one of the first, if not the
2: first, mm-hmm. to plant those vines here. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely pioneered the Pinot Gris uh, in the U.S. and and that kind of came about because. Um, as I mentioned, Pinot Noir was going to be a difficult grape to um, to educate people about, and and we didn't know how long that was going to take. And my mother was very impatient. You know, she was ready to like, I don't know, you know, buy some new clothes or maybe a car. Um, and, and, I Feel like I would really get along with this person. <laughs> yeah. But Nancy was impatient. She said, you know, we we have to sell something. Um, let's find a white grape that we can make that's uh, you know stainless steel fermented, which means you know it doesn't have to age. It's not expensive. You don't have those costs. And we can maybe we can get it into the market within six months as opposed to two years and so what ended up happening is we grafted a lot of the original uh plantings of alsatian varieties that we had planted in the first site we grafted all of those over to pinot gris in 1978 and so we had our first pinot gris out in 1981 and i was a very little girl at that time and i was actually selling pinot gris uh behind the taste room don't tell anybody i was gonna um, say like, it was a lemonade, lemonade. <laughs> that's what i thought was yeah but i, was I so, totally I, had that vision i was selling um uh Pinot Gris in in half bottles. So so 375 uh, and and educating people on how to pronounce gris and not gris. <laughs> uh, you know. And uh, but that was really that was the beginning of Pinot Gris, which of course now we know all over um, is grown all over the country and the world. So I love peanut gris. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> it's so good. Exactly. It's You've got, <laughs> it is good. You've got an old vine, barrel aged Pinot Gris, too. Pinot Gris, yeah. Um, Tell me about that. Yeah, I know. So, this was my sister's idea. Now, Louisa, my younger sister, uh, took over winemaking uh, back in 1993. And uh, like my father, she likes to experiment and try new things. And so, we have this old established um, site of Pinot Gris. And um, she just for kicks wanted to take those, you know, two or three acres and do something different with it. So, we picked the Pinot Gris. uh, 2014, I think, was the first venture here. And um, she decided to put it into old. Older French oak barrels, just to see, you know, what impact that would have, and it's it's a very different wine. You know, obviously, it has a lot more body than your, mm-hmm. you know, your traditional style stainless steel ferment, but um, but very limited. You know, we make a couple hundred cases and right. we sell it just through the winery, but just something different. Just you know, we're always we're always trying to 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 take it to the next level and see what else we can do in this valley, you know, and have fun with it.
0: And you're doing a sparkling, you know, I've only been to Oregon one time and it was quite some time ago, and I kept thinking, why am I not seeing more sparkling wine? Mm-hmm. Because you've got so much great Pinot right. Noir there. And I know that it's a whole other animal, and you're talking yes. about taking up real estate in your cellar and, mm-hmm. and it's and it takes years to to do that. So right. yeah. but you're doing it now. Yeah,
2: we're just starting to do it. And I guess it's kinda everything takes time in this business of, of wine. You don't do anything very quickly, right? So and I think also for those of us and many of us in the Willamette Valley, it's always been about quality. So the focus is, you know, originally it was was all about Pinot Noir and let's make the best Pinot Noir we can. And now, you know, it was Chardonnay back in 1990. So another 20 years of like, let's make great Chardonnay. Um, And through that process, we said, well, another, you know, light bulb went on and said we should be making beautiful sparkling wines. So Mm. we have the Chardonnay. We have the Pinot Noir. Uh, So, yes, it's true. We uh, have our Brut Rosé out uh, from 2014. And and we'll have a Blanc de Blanc coming out uh, just later this year that is – uh, I, I hope my mother doesn't hear this it's a, it's a surprise tribute to her it's called Nancy's Cuvée and oh, so Nancy's Cuvée because of course all she drinks is champagne or sparkling you know she's we a lovely. Right, so she's my <laughs> best friend oh my gosh I mean, at this
1: point you, you're talking about like, well, you said about impatience and patience and how yeah. long it takes for things to happen but I gotta say 20 years is not that yeah. long compared to the centuries it took our European friends to figure mm-hmm. things out mm-hmm. you know yeah. I mean they had a long time and a lot of culture leading up to it right. I feel like things kind of have a moved rather quickly. And speaking of Europeans, I'm wondering, uh, in Oregon, as one of the original, you know, Founding Company, one of the founding, one of the mm-hmm. the first ones out there yeah, to yeah. to pitch your vineyard. I'm yeah. wondering how how was it taken when European yeah. investors decided that they wanted to get involved because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, mm-hmm. look at the latitude lines. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I,
2: I should probably invest in some line. Was that well right. received? Well, I have to say um, one reason I think that we've been able to accomplish as much as we have in the last 50 years is because of our our friendship with um, uh, specifically the Burgundians, in particular mm-hmm. uh, when we were getting established and again, not really having any roadmap and not really knowing anything about this. We um, spent a lot of time in Burgundy. My parents spent a lot of time talking to some of the really the greatest producers in that region and um, and and sharing ideas with them and they were very open and I think that that's something very special about Oregon um, and again our, our association with Burgundians is that we were not n- neither one we weren't threatened by the other you know and um, that allowed a lot of transparency and, and I said a, really a lot of trust um, and uh, that really helped us move forward so when we are now seeing I mean it started with domain drawn back in 1987 mm-hmm. when they moved in and I guess at that point we we. We were all just like, so you know, thrilled that they had actually decided <laughs> to invest in our crazy idea um, and establish this beautiful estate. And, um, you know, we were we were so honored. Uh, now, you know, again, fast forward to where we are today, we, we I think we have six um, producers from France now in the Willamette Valley who have vested in our valley. So uh, it, but th- it's the same respect for each other. So and and I think we're still going for the same thing, this love of of the grape and perfection and enjoyment of, of wine and, it and was, friendship. It was just just a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Veronique Duran. Because okay. she, she was here for the Naples Winter Wine Festival. She's lovely, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. She had nothing but incredible things to yeah. say about Oregon and Oregon mm-hmm. winemakers. And mm-hmm. she said, you know, you could just never do that anywhere else. No, you because couldn't. Because the people are just – she said, you know, I, She said when I first got us – we first started over there, we would borrow things mm-hmm. from other winemakers oh, yeah. to make the wine. Yeah, and they sure. just didn't see us as big competitors. they were. It was just – she said that she and her company could not have done it without the kindness mm-hmm. that was extended so – Oh, nice. on the part of Oregon winemakers so the compliment culture, is both right? ways. Yeah
2: yeah, and I think that's it and, and you know if, if you look at at, at um, you know th- their families in Burgundy right and their small properties and they've been doing it for generations and they respect the land and they respect the, you know the art and the craft of winemaking and they certainly respect food and wine and all these things that we um, back in Oregon we had the same values so it was a very natural kind of um, shared of lives and values so yeah Veronique's is is just always so gracious and and yeah, we're indebted to them as much as they are to us. I guess
0: you brought some wines yes. in today, so what are we going to try? Okay,
2: well, we spoke a little bit about Chardonnay, so uh, I brought par- some Chard. I'll pour you a little oh, of our okay. twenty fifteen Chardonnay Reserve. I'm more than a little bit excited. Yeah, I guess I'll give you.
1: This is okay. Oh, yeah. Can
2: we go in there? Uh, this, mm, is our smells cur- beautiful. this is our current release. Uh, it is our 45th anniversary label. The, uh, the wine here is from our two estate-grown fruit, uh, vineyards, uh, the Avalana Vineyard and the Aurora Vineyard. And it's um, representing some of the early established clones of Chardonnay in the Aurora Vineyard. So this is from planted in 1990 and then Avalana, which we planted in 2006. So you get this really beautiful blend of these older vines and, and some of the newer vines together. Now my sister uh, studied in Burgundy, so she studied in Bone, goes back to those friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was able to go to a small school uh, in the heart of, of Bone and uh, a little bit of a pioneer herself by the way she was um first woman uh, from the United States mm. to attend that school with you know really? with a with a room full of french boys from the <laughs> neighboring domains and she um, That sounds
0: fun and horrible uh, and, at the and, same and time. and incredibly you
2: know <laughs> frightening uh, without a word of french and yeah. uh, so anyway she was very inspired by merceau montrachet and the wines coming out of those mm. areas and so when she returned uh, to the winery in 1993 uh, we were, she was able to go right to work with this new clone uh, selection that we had planted. So this is the result of you know whatever it's been twenty five some years. It's of so her focus. fresh, I'm I'm not, so I'm not just, vibrant. I'm totally and... not
1: just saying this because you're in the room, but this is like my new favorite. <laughs> wine.
0: Uh, I know I love it. It's uh, how yeah. much did you make of it for, <laughs> before you get us <laughs> so, so I can just, buy it? I... I don't know
2: if we have enough for <laughs> you guys. Don't but, make <laughs> us cry uh, in the corner because <laughs> we can't get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're selling quite a bit of it this week, but uh, <laughs> uh, this is uh, well, I think we produced about a thousand cases. Okay, so it's it's a small. Still, a, a kind of a small focus, but um, we love mm. what what can happen with with Chardonnay in in our region. So it's two thousand fifteen. In two thousand fifteen, current and that's current vintage. Do you have other Chardonnays out there? Um, we do. We have a couple single vineyards. So, okay. um, as I mentioned, this is this is Avalon and Aurora as a blend. Uh, we have a single vineyard Aurora and a single vineyard Avalon. Okay. So you can if you can find those. Those are really small, um, only about fifty six packs that will get out to the United States of America.
0: And they're made in the same fashion as this one.
2: Yes, okay. absolutely. And I should note that um, some people think that this is stainless steel fermented. This is not. Uh, what we we still make Chardonnay traditionally. So it is barrel fermented in French oak barrels, but they're it's pretty n- neutral. neutral right? Yeah, 100% neutral because I'm not barrel, getting so.
0: any of that mallow or oak mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. heavy butter or you know popcorn yeah. toffee. Any or of that feeling. It's just nice and fresh. Yeah, and it just keeps saying fresh it's is the best word I can. Very
2: brilliant fruit and just the balance of this wine is lovely and um, the length of it is what I love too. Mm. So. I know, I know. I took it's a sip like p- about longer's. five
1: minutes ago and I'm still. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> it's yeah. still here. Exactly, it's great. Yeah. I love it. So in your your whole line. What whites do you have that are pe- that people are able to find? Yeah,
2: you'll find um, uh, the Pinot Gris for sure oh. in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chardonnay Reserve. We have a little Pinot Blanc out there. If you find it, you should definitely grab a bottle. That's actually a personal favorite of mine. The Pinot I do Blanc. love that grape. People don't I do, do enough with it. Yeah, well, you know, they, they, it all takes time. <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> um, so those are, and then we have a rosé that mm-hmm. is uh, Pinot Noir rosé. So those are the the um, whites and has yellow. that just, just really
1: pink. taken off or
2: not? A rosé? Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, just sure. There's crazy. so much rosé in the world these days. <laughs> Everyone's making rosé. It's it Something Saturday? about pink. Yeah. People love pink. Is it a saunier or do you make it? Do you pick the grape specifically for the? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, the our our current release is coming from uh, a Pinot Noir vineyard that we own, also a farm called um, Madrona, and we just saunier off, okay. and, then, and bleed into stainless steel. So yeah, it's lovely, very nice. fresh,
1: beautiful. Mm-hmm. Fads are fun and stuff, and you got to ride the waves while you can. But yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> and I'm happy, everybody loves dry rosé because it's all over the place at this point, so I can find it now more Finally, easily. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, instead of you know. I mean, and it took a long time to get to our neighborhood for some reason. You know, it seems yeah. like the rest of the world woke up probably a solid two years before we
2: did. Right. Well,
0: mm. you, you would think, you know, every time we would travel, go to California or France or something, they'd start you off with rosé. And I think in Florida, it just had – when you someone saw pink in the glass, they thought – White Zin, right? And they're and they're like they just didn't even want to try it, and it and it
1: just it just took a long time. We're a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. I we're think slower it's our demographic. Over here. I yeah. think it's our demographic because everybody that's retired down here like had way too much White Zin in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot <laughs> let go. It's the only memory that sticks out from the. That's a bad hangover, decade, right there. Right? Yeah. So and then you also have a Pinot Noir with you today. Yes,
2: and this is our our single vineyard. This is Abatina II, Very special wine here. Uh, I, I just mentioned earlier about that clonal research that it was mm-hmm. done back in 1975 uh, on two acres, and that is um, basically what's here. This is the Abatina Two version. So um, many years ago, we've we've worked with Abatina uh, as a single vineyard uh, bottling for many years. Previously, and the test vineyard, correct, for yes. different clones. That's right. Now, but, have you got it all with just a certain clone at this point? No, nope. uh, we love we love the mix. So oh, okay. we retained the mix oh. of the 22 clones, uh, mm. but we found a little. Phylloxera in the first site. So what we did is we went through, this has probably been about 20-some years ago, and we took cuttings from that original site mm-hmm. and we grafted rootstock onto that, which will protect uh, the vineyard from phylloxera, planted that up at an, another one of our vineyard sites with the same elevations and soils and exposures, uh, planted that and called it abatina 2. So it's sort of like the rebirth of mm-hmm. the original, but it will be here forever. A little bit but, more dependable with, without exactly, phylloxera munching exactly. on it. Yeah, I mean, everything was on its own roots. Originally, we had we didn't know anything about phylloxera, so this is Abetina, and I I, I find Abetina too. And basically, what is I think so lovely about this wine is just the complexity that's here. The you know the layers and the length um, that this wine delivers, and mm-hmm. I and that is definitely we feel because of this you know multiple clones in a single site. That is a beautiful mouthful. It yeah.
0: is, and I'm, I'm getting just a. A little bit of espresso, chocolate covered espresso yeah, there in there, go. and uh-huh. uh, little a little cola. earthiness and oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Little cola. It's lovely. Well, we,
2: um, so, we are all of our vineyards are located in the northern part of the Willamette Valley. And it's a sub AVA, you may have heard, Chehalem Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, but within the Chehalem Mountains, there's this beautiful soil that's called Laurelwood soil. And all of the Ponzi vineyards, all of our estate grown fruit is. Planted on Laurelwood soils, so um, what you're also getting out of this Pinot Noir is is basically the expression of Laurelwood soil now. Um, and Luisa and I have fallen in love with our area, of course, and and the soil. And we have just submitted for a new sub AVA, really, okay. uh, called the Laurelwood District AVA. So this will be one of the first that will be really about soil and geology as opposed to just geography which American AVAs are you know AVAs are typically about just geography where you are Climate, in yeah. the world um but uh, we felt like we wanted to you know not, no That's pun a- intended, but dig a little deeper <laughs> into <laughs> uh, the soil. So this is um, so so yeah. So you'll you'll start to see, I think, out of Oregon, um, more defining characteristics throughout the valley. So you'll I'm hoping in the next ten years you'll be able to kind of signify, oh, this is Yola Hills AVA, and then oh, this tastes like Dundee Hills, and this tastes like mm. maybe it's Laurelwood. District, kind of the so. way people are able to go Sonoma Coast, yeah. Sonoma Carneros,
1: difference. Yeah, yeah. That, that a little bit. This, are you talking about yeah. a little bit more focused than that? Even. Yeah,
2: I think we're. I think we're. There and I, it does take a lot of time for your 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 vines to get established, well rooted into soils, and then of course express that through their fruit. So, so
1: you it. said that the uh, this wine is expressive of the soil. What yeah. what is the difference? I mean, how, how what do you taste as the difference that the soil contributes to this wine?
2: Well, what I see is you had already mentioned a little co- a little chocolate, a little cocoa, mm-hmm. um, cola seems to come out a lot. Mm-hmm. A little Asian spice we get, um, but I tend to. I, for me, consistently, I get more almost blue bramble fruit, you know, mm-hmm. blue black fruit, as opposed to that. I definitely don't get strawberry. I don't get that mm-hmm. red kind of. Uh, They're like a good fresh blueberry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But exactly. then a little bit of blackberry too,
1: because it's not quite as sweet as mm-hmm. a blueberry. Yeah, yeah. has yeah, definitely more going on. darker fruit in that. I think so. Yeah. The dark berries. Yeah. Not the I light, love right? it. I it's think it's great. Really Thank nice. You. I am so Thank glad that you came in and yes. shared you. your story, the history a little bit, and, and the wines. They're just, they're really quite good. So, Thank as far as the range of Pinot Noir that's out on the market that people can find, what mm-hmm. can they find there?
2: Yeah, so we um, we make a few Pinot Noirs. Uh, Tavola is our first tier, and uh, that's like easy drinking, real fresh, um, upfront fruit. Uh, Classico is in the market. This is going to be a wine that's more, uh, has a little more structure to it, older vines. It's a wonderful wonderful. wonderful expression, I think, of the entire Willamette Valley region. We have multiple AVAs in that, and different soils mm-hmm. in the Classico. Uh, the reserve that's out is gorgeous. 2015 Pinot Noir uh, reserve from Ponzi is all estate-grown, and again, older vines. Okay. And then, if you can find the single vineyards like this, Abatina 2, Again, very limited. And uh, I think we have Abatina out currently. Abatina two, and a Madrona vineyard single vineyard. Join so. the wine club. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of <laughs> wines, that was, lots of great the wines. The subtext here that I'm picking yeah. up <laughs> is join uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wine club because then
1: you could probably get a hold of some of the sparkling. That's and what I'm the saying. Other, yeah. The sparkling.
0: Yeah. I got it just for that. I know. Well, I mean, for everything. Sorry, Maria. No, no, no. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well,
2: we always like to support our local retailers and restaurateurs as well. Right. It's available everywhere. Awesome. <laughs> so in, in mainly in restaurants rather than retail, right? Yep. All yep. Oh, right. Yep. Just ask for it.
1: <laughs> well, Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Callaghan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante
0: is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org. And thanks for listening.